2: The following show is dedicated in the memory of David Harry Gaspers.
3: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast
0: with Dave, Honky, Matt, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I am with Honky.
2: I want to thank uh, Coach Frost and Duval for all the motivation. I've been working out Every morning now in my Osborne 1990s-era jacket and sweating it up. So thank you, guys.
0: I can already tell the difference, Honk. You look look good, man. Thanks. I'm also
3: with Boomer. Well, I'd just like to say in the uh, time it took Honky to give his opening hot take, Villanova just made another five threes. So there is that. And uh, we're glad to have you back, Dave.
1: So.
0: Hey, thanks. I appreciate it. And I'm also with Mac.
1: Hey, Redcasters, I hope you'll enjoy this quiet season now that no basketball's over, and we can focus on what's important, which is spring football.
0: That's right. Spring football is upon us. Uh, we got practice number four, I think, in the books or so uh, this fine Tuesday. Uh, progressing nicely. Uh, you know, best practice they've had all, all spring already. You know, you get all these type of quotes. Um, and so we're going to start diving deep into football here. We'll do a little offense, a little defense. Uh, you know, I think with uh, offense, we're going to try to start breaking down some of these positions a little bit, seeing what we have in the cabinet there uh, with uh, uh, quarterbacks, and running backs this uh, this show. Uh, Honky, you, you want to maybe just warm us up a little bit with, uh, with football and give us a, a little taste of what you've been hearing on uh, the spring practice front?
2: Yeah, I mean, basically the – I think everyone out there, we've been from Twitter to watching the Nebraska football show that was on Sunday night, everyone's trying to get whatever little glimpse of, of practice or any little quote we can get because it is uh, this year they've they've kind of tightened things up a little bit with the press, and that's fine. I'm not hurt by that one bit, and I think uh, we'll get to know everything that we need to know. But, but uh, the kinds of things that I've been wanting to see for a while, go back to our early shows, uh, I'll tell you what, I'm just, I'm feeling really good about the direction where we're going right now. Tackling to the ground, physical kind of play, I just, I love it right now.
0: Yeah, Honk, uh, so this practice was the first uh, first time that media was able to actually watch some of the practice, is that correct? They got about 30 minutes of uh, viewing time, is that right? Yes, and so, yeah. So what we did hear from that those reports are things like they did have a a, a a good on good session where they actually tackled to the ground stuff like that. So that's great to hear. Mac, uh, you excited to hear some of those things?
1: Oh, I love it all. I mean, it, it's so funny. You get a guy in here who's got these Nebraska ties, his Nebraska, you know, connections, and immediately. <sighs> It's like all your prayers have been answered as far as like the tackling, the physicality. You know, even today he talked about how being strong at the offensive line, you know, that's the way it's been in Lincoln, Nebraska for years, and that's where we're going to try to get it back to you. I mean, just those kind of, you know, just music to the ears, more and more of it every day. I love it.
0: (laughs) All right, guys. Uh, So do you guys want to dive right into some scoring explosion? Scoring explosion the offensive breakdown and uh, do a breakdown of our QB and running back positions. Let's go for all it. Right, all, right, all right. All right, man. So Andrew Bunch starting quarterback next year for uh, Nebraska. Is that right? Honk. That's apparently uh, what
2: we're hearing he's coming out of today.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always love this where like, obviously Noah Vedrill would be the starting quarterback if he was <laughs> eligible. He's clearly in the front runner, but that's probably because he's been in the system for a year plus. But, uh, um, you know, you always hear these names thrown out. Uh, but uh, w- let's just run through each one of these. Let's start with actually someone who has the most experience, uh, P.O.B., Patrick O'Brien, and then uh, Jebia after that. Uh, hearing all good things uh, about, about how they're performing? What's the story?
2: Yeah, I think with P.O.B., just some of the photos that we're starting to see in the video of him, he does look trimmed down some. And that was something that I thought about when, Frost was first hired on. What was going to be the, the off season for Jebbia and POB, and for Jebbia it'd be you need to put on some pounds, and for POB it would be can you trim down a little bit? Can you can you kind of tighten up a little bit? And you're going to be asked to run more now in this this new system. I love the size that he brings to the position here. You know, this is a big-bodied QB, but he's had uh, you look at his stats in high school. The guy he could run. He can certainly make the throws and uh the experience level i mean you know he's played just a little bit last year but i guess you can take what you can get there i i think that he brings something a little different to the table than jebia or martinez does and actually that's something i'd say about all three of them they each bring something different um i like i like what pob brings though
1: mac you know i think pob is interesting in this situation because he is the most different in terms of, of body size of all the quarterbacks. He's got a big arm. That's been established. And he is, I believe, more mobile than what people might give him credit for. You know, he was recruited here to be kind of playing a drop-back system. But if you look at his high school film, he did a lot of moving around. I mean, he, he actually had pretty good stats on the on the ground. So I don't think he's just a duck out of water or a fish out of water, I should say, um, for this offense. Um, and And who knows? You know, being in the Big Ten – that might be a body side or style that we might need. You know, if he's going to take some hits and they're all going to take hits, you know, last year I was looking at UCS numbers. The the quarterback was the second leading rusher. So whoever it's going to be, they're going to get hit a lot. You know, nobody's separated yet It's too early in practice. I mean, that's, that's the standard coach speak. And I'm sure that's very true because whether he has game experience or not, and Patrick is the only one that does, um, well, Vedral does too, but he's not eligible. But Patrick being the only one that has game experience, it really doesn't matter because it's a completely different offense. So, um, yeah, that's he's right. He's interesting. I think Tristan Jebia, I've heard a lot about him in leadership roles. I like that he seems to be leading every drill and even just the little bit of snippet of practice that I got to see today um, via video, not at practice. But, he was leading the position groups you know he was the first one out and i don't want to read a lot of that read much too into that right yet um it's still early but i think that just speaks more towards what jebby is all about i think he's a born leader i think he is a grinder he's going to be if if he's got any ability at all to execute and run this offense he is going to be very hard to beat out because he i just don't think you're going to be able to work that kid that That's a good good way to um, kind of think
0: through this is like who do you uh, right now, if you're a, a betting man, who would you put um, in the driver's seat to actually start? Obviously, it's pretty early on that. Before we actually go around on that one, I mean, what's the story with Martinez? I guess you feeling like uh, he's uh, already proving his worth there as a uh, early enroll enrollee. What I've heard about him from a body
2: standpoint, uh, some of the different media guys were saying how he's thicker in the trunk than what they thought he'd be. So just from a visual standpoint that he's he's a little bit better yeah. built right away and how much of that's happened over the last couple months of of uh, off season, or if that's just how he's built, I don't know. But um, obviously he brings a completely different skill set, a running skill set that uh, that is unique, I guess, to him. I, I think that Jebby and P.O.B. can certainly run it, but i mean martinez could be a run
0: first kind of guy too um on top of right. that will we get numbers on that honk with uh, boyd epley's testing and, and zach Duval's testing of like like just like speed wise or whatnot how fast these guys are in, in comparison or other sort of agility run uh, type mm-hmm. tests
2: i don't think they're doing that this first year they made a couple statements where there's a couple of things that they want to wait oh, yeah. a year to do before they start to release them like they not to tie it into too many other things, but they said, like with the Unity Council, they want to wait a year. I think with some of these um, test scores, they want to wait a year. But the, the long-term goal is to start to show those things, but they're just not quite at that point yet. Um, what I think is a little bit interesting, I've, I've read some things online where people are concerned about the depth or the, even the talent at the position, which I get the depth concern, maybe, maybe. But the talent thing, I'm like, we have three if I'm not even the recruiting guy, I don't care about the stars, but we have three four-star California quarterbacks right now. When's the last time we've ever been able to say that? I mean, the last thing we should be concerned about right now is is the talent out there. It's just about getting the guys to match the system, get them reps. And by the way, um, from what I understood today also, from what the, the media saw, just in the warm-ups alone, and Mac, you can speak to this a little bit about how the practices are run, but just in the warm-ups alone, in the first minute, each QB, each of the first three QBs got five or six reps each in the first minute yeah. of the warmups. So they're going to get a lot of reps. These guys will be well-repped by the time we get to spring games and, and fall.
1: And that's the beauty of it. There's, there's not going to be any secrets on this roster. There's not going to be any kind of untapped potential. Everybody gets reps. Everybody gets time in front of the coach's eyes. And, you know, like Frost was talking the other day about a competition day, so they film literally everything, and they go back and review the film. So, I mean, you can rest assured that the, the best guy running this offense is going to be the one who takes the snap, you know, you know against uh, – I can't remember who we're playing That Was it Akron? Akron, Akron, yeah. Akron. yeah. yeah. So against Those Akron. Akron. Um, going back to – if you're going to bet on it, just because I, yeah. I kind of like the kid's moxie, I like Jebbia. But even if that's the case, with, with – his body st- or body frame I should say and the hits I think he may take we're probably going to use a couple three quarterbacks this year would be my guess so Martinez he's a freshman he didn't play all last year his senior year um, he's kind of a, he's kind of an X factor but he is definitely Frost guy he's the only guy short of Noah Vedrill, on the team that's been recruited for this offense, you know, so yep, you would think right. that would give him a leg up, and the fact that everybody else is learning at about the same rate that he is, um, without the you know without the experience of actual college football, though, um, he he's got a shot. He's got a shot. You know, nothing would surprise me with this staff, honestly. I mean, Mackenzie Milton didn't start his freshman year until about midway through, you know, and that was after an injury, you know, and so yep. I guess the lesson here is. You know, for those guys at backing up, you know, don't transfer right away. You know, calm down. You know, maybe ride this out. You know, you never know in football. And I'm, hopefully, these guys get a, get a chance to see that. You know what they can do in this offense, and I, I mean, I, I really do think they could surprise some people with their with their legs. They don't have to be Michael Vick to to be an effective sure. runner in this offense. You know, it's it's deception and it's reading the end. And you know it's just it's just breaking people's back with maybe a six yard eight yard run you know be yeah. you nice know, to bust that for fifty sixty but whatever you know we don't have to have that that first year you know we've got running backs we've got wide receivers that we're we're supposed yeah to I mean
0: on, as so. Frost has made it pretty clear that the quarterback needs to be a functional runner to keep the defenses honest to make the offensive system work but you don't need to be a game breaker per se and. To, to your point Mac of POB having maybe the body type that's more durable in the big ten that, I mean that that could play out we'll see uh, Honky, if you were a better man who who you think starts uh, against Akron
2: well I mean verdusco's made the statement already uh, coach verdusco said that uh, he's going after efficiency first and then it, it, whoever's the most efficient there and and whatever however they grade that once you go from there you take the rest of the talent and you kind of can you can go off in different directions from there, whether it's a runner or passer or whatever. I, just in general, if I'm thinking who's the most efficient, the guy that jumps off the table to me would be Jebia seems like the kind of guy that is going to be that most efficient dude. I just That's just the take I get. And then how they build the offense around his certain skill sets, we'll see more as, as he's allowed to do more in practice and everything. But um, that would be who I would probably say on day one is just my – way too early prediction.
0: Yep, I hear you. All right, all right. Uh, Boomer, uh, I know you are a betting man, so why don't, why don't you uh, take a stab? Who, who do you think starts?
3: Oh, geez, hard to say without... We have two you
0: know, Jebias, so, yeah, you Yeah, know, without
3: seeing the spring game, you know, I'd really like to have that data point in there right. just to kind well, of get a view of a everybody, because we'll see, we'll see everybody playing a little... Uh, I guess it wouldn't surprise me to see a uh, P.O.B. start Akron. I'm guessing we'd see, both we'll see him and Jebbia probably both in that game. I, I'm guessing we'll see. Well, ideally we will, because hopefully they'll be up by enough points where they can uh, good point actually oh, play them both. Nice. So that would be nice, and it's not some you know seventeen to ten squeaker where we got to leave the starter in the whole game. So that would just be my guess, just based on very little at this point. But we'll we'll find out soon enough. I think I think we'll have a much better better
0: idea at yep. the end of April. I think a position that may stay even more muddled than QB well into the season is our running backs, and maybe that's by by design really, right? The Frost offense utilizes so many uh, backs in different ways uh, that it may not be clear who uh, a clear-cut starter is in in this offense. Um, Any reports, uh, Honky Mac, on who's standing out so far in spring practice in the running back position? I'm going to let Mac go first with this. He does
1: love his running backs. Um, I do love the running back position, and I'm very excited for us to get back to having some explosive playmakers back there. And I think early reports is that Greg Bell is about as good as advertised. a real smooth, explosive runner. Um, (laughs) Unfortunately, he was one of the guys who sat out today, which would have been really nice to get some film on him to see him. Trey Bryant's still sitting out from his knee. Um, But I think... I think Greg Bell will be a impact player. You know, we've got a cup. We've got one more guy coming in, uh, Maurice Washington. I don't really want to talk about him until he gets on the field, and really see what. He, even if he qualifies, I don't even know if he's going to qualify. But um, Greg Bell, six foot, two hundred, junior college guy. He's been. He stayed back for spring break. He's been working. He's hungry. Those JUCO guys, man, they just come in with a different mindset. You know, they are ready to work. The time is so. You know, it, it's just. Clicking for them, you know, they just know that this is now or never for them. So he's going to yeah, be they're... hard to beat. But I'm a big Jalen Bradley fan too, um, and I'd like to see him. You know, with this year, with this strength staff, I felt like that was something. He was a little bit smaller last year, but I like his. He's a smooth guy too, and I think he's faster than people give him credit for. Um, and then obviously Trey Bryant, I love Trey Bryant. I absolutely love his game, but there is just no guarantee with a with the running back with chronic knee issues that. I'm going to go ahead and put him at the starting running back, you know, for hacker and I I have a problem doing <laughs> I
0: mean, that. He hasn't he hasn't practiced I <laughs> mean since the second week of last season, right? Yes. I mean it's been that long and I'm like at some point you're like, I just don't know if it's ever gonna happen for the guy. I yeah. feel bad about that, but jeez.
1: And we've seen uh, those guys before. They're, they we were just talking about Adam Taylor, actually. <laughs> you know, yes. it's, it hopefully he doesn't go the route of an Adam Taylor. Not that we dislike Adam Taylor. But uh you know, I just, it would be great to get him out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Honky, uh, what are you thinking about the running backs?
2: Well, uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, Mikhail Wilbon, who uh, was admitted into graduate school today. He posted on Twitter, and that's, congrats to him, they are student
0: athletes, and I do believe that Sally May was making sure that he was well covered with his financial (laughs) resources. Wasn't that sweet?
2: So, yeah, for anyone that didn't see that, his tweet that said, hey, I'm you know, I made it to, to grad school. <laughs> Sally May responded saying, you should go after a scholarship and some other stuff. And I, I was going <laughs> to respond, and I was like, ah, I'm just going to stay out of that. But, <laughs> like, anyways, uh, Wilbon, man, his arms look huge. Anyone that's been seeing the the photos, I think, totally. you know, when you when you look through the practice photos of, of the players, uh, you're always kind of looking for one or two guys that maybe kind of stand out. And Wilbon immediately with his, with his arms, I mean, did – he, um, I think he has a really good opportunity next year to be maybe the, the the breakthrough player. And it may have taken him five years to do it here and different staffs and everything. But uh, what they want to do with running backs, they're splitting running backs out. They're having running backs running pass routes. That's really kind of how I envision Wilbon to begin with. I mean, I kind of think of him as that third down pass receiver, you know, not, not an eye back kind of guy that's going to be, following a fullback through a hole anyways right um right a zigbo i think a zigbo is going to be in some great shape number one a zigbo is talked about from back in his high school days and dave you're from that area or you live down that area in, yeah. in texas um he's from a spread offense in high school and he was from an offense where he was the only back or he would end up you know lining up as a as a slot receiver and so he's Done a lot of those things in the past, and now I think this is feeling a little bit like old hat to him. So it's interesting to see how he kind of fits into it. The guy that I'm just I just haven't heard anything about. I'm really intrigued by is Bradley. That's the guy that I mean. I'm yeah. he he's the guy I want so badly as a as a Bellevue kid. I so badly want to see him, you know, just succeed wildly in this. And I just haven't heard anything yet. Doesn't mean he hasn't done anything well. Just I just haven't heard anything. But I'm completely intrigued by what he can do.
1: And I don't I don't I really don't think this is gonna be a position where somebody necessarily separates and and gets the lion's share of the carries. You know, the way this offense has been structured in the past is it's a lot of distribution. So the the good news is we have Greg Bell, we have a Jalen Bradley, we have a, you know, possibly a Maurice Washington, Mikael Wilbon, Divine Zigbo. All those guys should get a fair amount of carries or touches, you know, whether it be wide receiver or at a receiver or coming out of the backfield or whatever, you know, they're all gonna get their touches, and that's to me really exciting. You know, I'm that's gonna take a little bit of a shift for me to kind of get away from the 286 carries for a season. Maybe, maybe that happens, maybe it doesn't, um, you know, but somebody if, if somebody does that, then they, we've really got a horse because I, I think the way this offense works and the way they like it to work. It's just use a lot of bodies and keep them out there and keep them fresh and keep them moving. So <clears throat> the running back position will be exciting. I think those guys, they all are going to compete. They all, you know, they all could play. So you know, they say iron sharpens iron. I think this is going to be one of those positions where you really see that being true because you know, regardless if they all get touches, there's only two of them on the field at most at one time you know wide receivers you know they'll be you know four or five or whatever you know the running backs are going to have to really compete for their touches so that would that will be a position i think you know next to offensive line that you might see the greatest improvement of next year although those two kind of go hand in hand usually if your offensive is doing better your running backs look better but you know what i mean true true yeah that's a good point um yeah competition is going to be fierce no, no doubt about
0: it but uh, like you said With all the reps in practice and all the different formations, everybody's going to get a shot. So, we're going to find out uh, who rises to the top.
3: You're listening to the Go Big
0: Redcast. And now, throw the bones, the defensive breakdown. And now, on the Go Big Redcast, let's throw the bones and talk some defense. So, guys, uh, a lot of good uh, quotes uh, out there from uh, today's practice and over the last week or so uh, from Coach Frost. And, you know, I think one thing I noticed uh, today with some of the video and, and, and pictures we got from practice from the media was how involved uh, Scott is with uh, practice. He's right in the mix. He's not necessarily the most vocal guy out there, doesn't sound like, but he's far more involved in, in really coaching and teaching. Um, in the practice, um, and that's a, definitely a difference from Mike Riley, which, who seemed to be far off removed. You may not even know he was at practice practically. I've heard, uh, Mac. What do you think about uh, uh, Frost and maybe just how he's running uh, spring ball right now, and in, in particular on the defensive side?
1: Uh, you know, I, I would agree with you. He 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 definitely maybe quiet. Demeanor when he's out there, letting his coaches do his thing. But, like, you'll see video clips of him even just, like, showing the different, like, coming off the line. He was showing this tight end how to block, and, like, Frost just blows him up and then taps the kid on the head. And you can tell him, like, yeah, you know, to have a coach out there who can be physical with the guys enough to show him what's going on, and it's just, it's it's a nice, refreshing look at things. And, you know, it's funny, too, because you know his 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 playing background is so dynamic you know starts off True. at a safety in college well a quarterback then safety then back to quarterback then he goes pro then he's back at defense you know crazy and he talks about how he was a poor tackler his first five years in the nfl until he got to tampa bay and raheem morris showed him how to do it and he's like somebody asked him that question the press conference today saying you know he was tackling an emphasis, and he's like, you know, we watched a video on it last night, and he went into that story, and then they brought up the fact that, you know, have you ever brought in outside consultants? And he just kind of looked at him like, for tackling? He's like, you know, we, they pay us good money, real good money you know, to, to teach these kids how to play football. You know, if they need to bring in outside consultants, they got the wrong coaches. And Yeah, well, we, right. we proved that before, right, Mac? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that rugby tackling, we paid for one whole season of that, and then Diaco came back and showed us how to not tackle at all, you know. Well, <laughs> it, it,
2: it,
1: and it's unfortunate. Boomer and I were going to start up a rugby tackling business, and
2: now, I mean, we don't have
1: any – there's no point the anymore. De, the so. demand is not there anymore. Well, there's Oregon State. I guess we can go back over there. Those guys are willing to pay for help, and Lord knows they need it. That was mean. I apologize. I'm, I'm not taking Oregon family. State salaries, you can, I
2: can
3: tell you that, but –
2: Right,
1: well <laughs> Well as long as but Nebraska yeah, foot the right. majority of it then, then we can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's usually what we end up doing. Yeah. No, but it's just it's it's he does have that real hands on approach to it and um he's passionate about it. And and you can you can see the whole defensive staff too. You know, whenever they show a video of Shenander coaching, he is saying, Get the ball, get the ball, we need the ball I mean it's all he's he's chirping in the ears about getting that out. Um, getting back to the tackling thing though, real quick because I thought this was interesting. You know, he's tackling. He's like going to and through the guy. That's how they want him to tackle. And it's the same. It's the same kind of philosophy they have on on offense. Is the uh, desire to to excel and no fear of failure. He's like that. You will. You're gonna miss tackles if you're tackling the way you're supposed to until you get good at it. He's like you have to fly to and through the guy. And in order to do that, you're probably gonna make some mistakes along the way. Which Husker fans are probably you know, we should probably get used to that. But he's like, I don't want to sacrifice the big play, the big hit, popping that ball out, you know. Understanding that it's part of that process is, is exciting to hear and I think that's something as a defensive player you could really get behind, you know, flying around and hitting and even the little bit of the, the video I saw today, and it was there was tackling to the ground, but it wasn't vicious, but a couple of those defensive backs. I think I saw this muke just put a shoulder in somebody and knock him off his cleats, it was awesome you know and you can already see that kind of mentality of switching on the defensive side now i always feel like on the defense it's a little easier to kind of make transitions like that because it's just it's more more attacking anyway but um it's i i think i think the transition and the process or whatever you want to call it is starting to fully take root in some of those guys it's exciting to watch what do you think honk
2: I think tough guys always win or, or win always, yeah. and uh, that is a Shenander <laughs> quote, and I, I'm just going to hashtag tough guys win always uh, over and over again because that is exactly what you're talking about there, Mac. It's a mentality thing, and I like how it uh, to, to give a maybe a really good example of that is what he was talking about with Lamar Jackson. And he said with M- Lamar Jackson, Shenander says, that kid should thrive in any defense. He's got talent. He needs a little more physicality. We need to work on that, but he knows it, and he wants to work on that. He's going to be a great guy pressed up on receivers because of the length he possesses. To your point, Mac, in some of these videos that we've seen already, it's even DBs out there. They're starting to lay some wood, right? And yep. that physicality in practice, I mean, I feel like I'm telling people something that they've known for 20 years that you know have been Husker fans for that long, is that having years. physicality in practice benefits everyone. We just got done right. talking about the running backs. Running backs will be better. If they're getting tackled in practice and have to break tackles, if you want to get better at tackling, it's not about bringing in consultants. It's about tackling. I, I right? I would love to. I wish there was some great magical dust I could, you know, sprinkle out there to make everyone better at, at without having to put in all the work. But at the end of the day, you have to put in the work. If you want to be better at tackling, you really do need to tackle, and that's part of the. That's part of what's going on at the college level. This is still a development level. This isn't co- this isn't the exactly. NFL. And I know in the NFL they, they have, you know, player rules and, and how much contact they can have. That this isn't that. These are kids that are coming in and they've they've never played against players their own size. They've never played against players their own speed. They've never experienced guys that are better than them in a lot of cases. They were the best at every position they played respectively in high school. That's not the case here. So for Lamar Jackson to come in here, if he's not getting challenged in practice in year one and year two, he's not physically getting you know having to tackle and bring down people and do all those things that you have to do as a corner if he's not doing that in practice how can you expect that on the field and that's where we're at now we're at a point where I think they're starting to see that these guys the best way we're going to get better is that we, we we put every one of them against each other in practice time and time and time again and you compete for everything and Duvall did that over the offseason with the strength and conditioning. They competed for everything. And you're seeing them compete now. And I think we're going to see some really good outcomes because of that. And it, it's fun It's fun to hear about, and it'll be fun to watch soon.
0: That's, that's interesting stuff. Uh, let, let me ask a question really quick, guys, just on, like, comparing this mentality. And I, I think your point about how it's easier for the defenses to kind of switch maybe. In, in, but the funny thing is, I mean, they have had some of these guys – your seniors had Polini and then banker and then yeah. and then diaco and 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 now Chiander, Chiander. Uh and was Polini more on, on on this type of style of um, aggressiveness on practice at all or is this even beyond what he would have done uh, and and I guess my question really is is like it's so obvious it feels like to honky's point of like I mean you, you need these guys to practice the way that you want them to play. But it's not that Mark Banker or Diaco didn't have success at some other time in their careers as defensive coordinators. But, I mean, I, I mean, like, the Diaco defense was so passive it felt like, you know, I mean, like, I mean, like, how did those defenses succeed at other schools where there's such such disasters it felt like at times at Nebraska <laughs> in the last couple of years? And, and how will this be? I mean, I, it seems obvious this should be different. But uh, what could be a, a, a downfall of this approach, I guess, uh, for the staff?
2: I'll say with what's maybe different here, right away, right off the bat, is Scott Frost. He's the difference. And the difference between Scott Frost and Mike Riley, simply from a background and what, they're, what they were comfortable with, Mike Riley was a Pac-10, Pac-12 coach. We practiced like a Pac-12 team. I, I mentioned that last spring. I mentioned that last fall. And you live with it and you die with it, right? And it was this mentality of we don't want to have the injuries, and I get that, and you want to limit those injuries um, in practice, but I think what One of the, the byproducts of it Unintentional, but one of the byproducts of it, Especially in the Big Ten Was we ended up having a lot of injuries on Sunday And on Monday, and the days after those games Guys were walking in boots And guys were on crutches, it seemed like all the time That there's a just a realistic nature of if you want to be a physical football team you get, you, you practice how you play you just got to do it
1: yeah it's not a switch you don't get to flip a physicality switch on saturdays it just doesn't work it, it, absolutely
2: uh, you know our, our very first episode of the show we did was april 11th a year ago so almost we've almost had our one year anniversary go back redcasters, and listen to those first couple shows and listen to some of the things that we're talking about a year ago and it was We were hopeful, and we'll always have rose-colored glasses and hope that they're scarlet-colored glasses and hope that Nebraska is going to be the best. But if we could be been critical of anything, we would have said we weren't being physical enough at times. We just weren't. To your point, Dave, I've been to practices that Pelini had, I've been to practices that Callahan had, I've been to practices that that Solich had, and Osborne for that matter. Pelini. There was, there was contact. There was contact, I think, at the right times. This is the right time. Spring ball is when you need to be bringing guys yeah. to the t- to the ground. Spring ball is when you need to be hitting players. Um, this is the right time to be doing this. I don't expect us, when we get to fall ball, to be bringing QBs down to the ground left and right. I just don't. Um, maybe, you know, Frost talked a little bit about how the Osborne era, we would have a Tuesday and Wednesday, you know, hitting practice. I don't think it's going to be Osborne era type necessarily but but spring ball this is when you've got to be proving yourself and and I think they're
1: doing it right so well go ahead Mac oh I was gonna say you know Pliny certainly coached effort for sure he coached effort that was one of his big things his hats to the ball Um, I don't know that we were a terrible tackling team underneath him at all I will say though you know the fear of failure though would have been pretty strong with that staff. Yeah. You know, you talk about Jeez. getting cussed out and ripped up one side and down another. That was very prevalent with the, with the Polini administration. Amen. So, Amen. Um, and, and, you know, kids respond differently to different players or to different type coaches. You know, you asked the question, you know, how come they were successful at other places? And I've thought about that too. I'm like, how come Bob Diaco was, you know, a Broyles award winner and he comes here and it looks like he's never coached defense before. <laughs> and I, I, I don't really know. I, I, I assume it has to be, the players that he had, you know, had a certain amount of right, know, yeah, intestinal I mean, it, fortitude it, it, or ability to kind of muddle or way through. Kind of like, kind of like how Amir Abdullah succeeded despite the fact, you know, like you right. couldn't deny Amir Abdullah was a great player despite the team that he may have been on. He was, he was fantastic, <laughs> you <laughs> that's know. A good well, and, but and, and and I think that's how it must have worked for those guys. Cause well, and plus, he had a different head coach too. So
3: who knows how they practiced? It might have been vastly yep, different sure. than what. What he did under Riley, so that probably
2: played a
0: role as know. well. Yeah, yeah, and, sure, that's a good point, Boomer. And, and
2: that Broyles Award-winning Diaco was a Diaco that had been at Notre Dame for three or four years and had developed that defense over a number of years.
0: He was with Brian Kelly even before that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, he was with Cincinnati. He was at Cincinnati
1: with him. Right? Yeah,
2: and, and that that kind of continuity, and we know all about continuity now with this with this staff. But what Diaco was able to do over a couple of years built into that that great defense that eventually won that big award for him, right? But when he came here um, I think we all acknowledge now that that fit just didn't happen. I And I I beat myself up a several times now on this on this show about this. I called that defensive staff a year ago. I thought it was going to be a great defensive staff. And individually I'll always say this, individually I on think paper. that staff last year was a good staff but collectively, together it just didn't meld together. But I think over, over time we will see Diaco probably go on and do well again somewhere else. I, I definitely like Perella. I think Bray is a star in the making. I, th- you know, these guys were good coaches individually, but just collectively, it just didn't work. And that's Diaco signed he's with OU, right?
0: He's at Oklahoma. Diaco. Diaco's yeah, at he's Oklahoma. A he's at. He's a defensive analyst, analyst
2: making yeah. uh, making seven fifty two an hour, which is perfect because we'll cover <laughs> the other eight hundred and you know, <laughs> fifty thousand. But but um. But no, but that's, that's where he's at for the next year, which is, I mean, honestly, that's an unbelievably good move on Diaco's part. And I don't, I'm sorry, I'm going to go down a side note and I don't even want to go down there, but, but that's a great move for him, but he'll, he'll end up being in a good spot. I just saw Perella's doing some coaching of just like some, some camps. And I mean, everyone here wants to see Perella do great. And, and who knows that hopefully the door could always be open down the road, even for him too. Right. But, But, um. That, that was a good staff. Our, that was good individual coaches. It just didn't collectively work. And that's what I think this staff is so good that Nebraska has right now. To bring it all back to what's going on right now, this staff collectively works well together. You see it in right. the photos. You yep. see it You see it in how they, t- they have the same philosophy. The same philosophy that Shenander has as a D.C. talking about tough guys always win. On the offensive side, Coach Walters is out there the other day. I tweeted this out. Him coaching those receivers, blocking. It was like watching Ron Brown coaching blocking. He and this is a former Belitnikov Award-winning wide receiver. You you know, don't tell me the guy can't run a route. Don't tell me the guy can't you know guerrilla football or whatever the heck Keith Williams used to always talk about. <laughs> Believe me, <Savage>. Belitnikov or <laughs> My gosh, um, Walters can do all of those things. He can coach guys to be great receivers, but the way that he was coaching those guys to block reminded me of a Ron Brown kind of. Just mentality, sure. and that's my God. If you can meld those two things, that's the stuff. That's the hybrid stuff we've been talking about for years, guys. Can can we be a new age offense with old school mentality? And now you feel like Frost is doing that fast paced yeah. offense, but we yeah. got to be physical. Frost said today I'm, I'm, with live ref, live reps, and taking guys to the ground. He goes, "We have to learn how to be physical." That doesn't sound like a that doesn't sound like a, a Mike Leach spread offense, does it?
0: This is no, no, this no.
2: is. Nebraska football meets meets Chip Kelly. It's what, that's that would what be real is. interesting. So, so,
0: okay, I got two things here. I don't want to lose either one of them. So the first one, those right off of that one, honk. You you mentioned the Pac-12 practicing of of Mike Riley. Frost is a familiar with the Pac-12 under Chip Kelly. That's what I was thinking, Dave. <laughs> all right, all right. So so do you do you feel like a did Chip Kelly run? Uh, Uh, more physical-style practices than the rest of the the Pac-12 at Oregon, and will he be doing the same at UCLA? Or was Frost, like, you know, thinking, gee, we should be more physical when he was there the whole time? Pat,
2: uh, Chip Kelly dominated for the most part. He dominated the Pac-12 because he did something a little different than what they were doing. I don't think he was as physical necessarily as what Frost wants to be, but I think he was – physical enough and one of the things that he wanted definitely to, ran
0: fast practices right i mean the speed was correct.
2: there. correct and do you remember at the beginning of last season that um i mentioned how riley one of the statements riley made going into last season was we don't do tempo but we try to we replace tempo with uh, formation groups like his thing was we don't yeah, do tempo, personnel but packages, that personnel that packages. we'll ball. come out and and none of that ever worked anyways but the point is that was his mentality kelly would get you with 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 uh tempo that was his big thing frost wants to hit you with tempo and husker power i mean there's a combination mm-hmm. there. and it dominated the pac-12 for the most part with the exception of one school and that was stanford and when stanford was at its best with what i think we can call almost a big 12 mentality under or big 10 mentality under harbaugh when they were at their best mm-hmm. there were a couple of times where where Stanford slowed down the game, kind of took them to the woodshed, and, and just really beat them up. That's the that's the challenge out there. That's the uh, you know the people, the critics the, out the there.
0: The Big Ten style of play that Stanford essentially had in the Pac-12, absolutely the, uh, against this offense. And that's Mac. You want to? That's the, wanna that's go what on. the
2: critics will say. The critics will say, "Can hmm. this hold up to a Big Ten?
1: Yep, right. Well, you know, and I was, actually, Dave, you and I were thinking along the same lines there because I was just thinking in my head, I'm like, I wish. It'd be interesting to ask even Scott you know, a side-by-side comparison of a of a Oregon practice versus like a, U, a Nebraska practice or UCF or whatever the the best model would be, and, and just see what the differences are. If he would say, "Well, we're a little more physical," or if it's because it sounds like he takes a lot of his practice cues from Chip Kelly the way the way it's structured, the format, the speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing I think Kelly doesn't get enough credit for because he always gets credit for his offense, but I think the way he kind of Revolutionized his practice time to maximize time and get that out. You know, he was. That's where Frost got the idea to go early in the morning. You know, and get yeah. those guys ready and, and rolling. Yeah. And I think, uh, I true. think that'll pay huge dividends. We're going to be one of the only teams in the Big Ten doing that stuff. You know, and and we're doing. It's not a gimmick. It's 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 going to be our identity. This hey, is going to hey, be who we are. Mac, did Yo.
2: did we ever play eleven a.m. games? And has has that ever been an issue for Nebraska playing eleven a.m. games? Lord.
1: Preach. I mean, it's it's <laughs> seriously, you know, like, and you know what? It's funny too. You were talking about Troy Walters uh, talking about blocking downfield, but another thing, uh, clip he said, he's like, "You got to treat today like a game. You got to treat yeah, every great. practice like a game." And he goes, and then come Saturday, this is gonna be easy. He's like, "Man, I do this every day. There won't, there won't, you know." People think there's a switch you can flip, or I don't know if people think that, but I, you know, this idea of you know. You don't practice, and you're a certain building way, up you to can Saturday. Play, right? But you can play a certain way. I don't know, man. Riley certainly proved to me that that's not the case. You know, there there is just there is just a way you have to go about your business Monday through Friday to get it done on Saturday, and I think that's what this staff understands, and what the previous staff never fully got, um, particularly in the Big Ten.
0: And do you, do you, would you think that other great coaches, uh, the Urban Myers and Nick Sabans of, of the world, uh, probably have that same mentality that essentially uh, practice should almost be harder than the game? No doubt, I'm sure right? of it. I mean, that's an Osborne. Thing that's an right? that's
2: an Osborne trait right there. And if you want to talk about two coaching disciples, Saban and Meyer both have talked numerous times about Osborne over the years. Saban coached his first collegiate game against Osborne and got destroyed. Um, but both of those coaches have talked at different times about how Osborne being somebody that they've looked up to. And Osborne preached that time and time again. That, that practice should be the hardest thing. And if you can get through practice and, and make it through the week, then, my gosh, the game is easy. And I think Osborne, Osborne doesn't get the credit that he deserves for preaching tempo. Osborne would talk about how in practice we had to be snapping the ball with 15 seconds left on the, on the play clock. They would only huddle three or four yards uh, uh, behind the, the line of scrimmage, not the full seven yards back, and they would time that. Just the difference between three or four yards, they were closer to the ball. And his whole point was there's 50, 70, 80,000 people in the crowd. We're not worried about the defense being able to hear us playing You know, calling the play. Sure. Heck, yeah. Zach, guess what? It's going to be an option. Yeah, Zach Weger, <laughs> Zach Weger used to tell the defense what we were running anyways, and we'd still run yeah. it right at him, right? But the point is they wanted to get up to the line of scrimmage and go. And it was fast-paced football with a huddle. So you, yeah, I don't even, totally. I don't buy into the fact. And and we may or may not do this, and I, I don't really care. I don't think you have to have big, you know, cardboard signs on the sideline. I don't probably going to have, have that. Bad. We probably will. I'm just saying you don't have to to be a fast-paced offense. You don't. You can huddle and be fast-paced. Osborne's proved that. So the point is, the the point is just to be on mark and 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 everyone being on the same page, know what they're doing. And uh, and the physicality piece is, is one part of that too. And and Frost, I I love what he's trying to do here. We are it is Husker power with Oregon
1: speed. I guess mm-hmm.
2: it's kind of the and, the best way there.
1: Yeah, and doing the double stations, you know, two sets of twenty-two on each side, getting rep after rep after rep. So everybody's everybody's involved. You know who your best players are because it shines through. Yeah, you know, and that's you know that. That was an Osborne thing, too. Yeah. You know, they always talked about how many reps they had in different stations they were going. Yes, so. absolutely. Well, one there, thing- there are so many cool little tidbits that he's taken from each coach along the way. Oh, no doubt. That, you know, if he can get this to meld together, and he clearly did last year, but with even a little bit more time, you know, this could be... <sighs> I keep saying it. I say it every podcast. But. <laughs> well, here, one it's going to be b- because this is Because this is the throwing the bone segment,
2: it's about defense, and I knew we'd, we'd go off into some, some practice talk and just general stuff, and that's fine. But one defensive guy I want to bring up, I brought him up a year ago. I want to bring him up again. He was a walk-on, Jordan Pop from Central City. He was mentioned today in practice uh, for, for taking reps with the, the number one defense. And in, this is one of those kids. He should have been a scholarship kid, but but – major kudos to perella for being able to pull him in as a walk- on because he is deserving of a of a scholarship from day one but that's beyond the point point is keep an eye on that kid keep an eye on him in spring ball keep an eye on him coming in the next season he's one of those kids that is he's ben stilly kind of player and mm. is is where i'd kind of throw him in into and he might end up being an outside backer um but or Deanne. He's he's kind of that tweener right now between those two but Jordan Pop is one of those guys that, that I would definitely be keeping an eye on. Okay,
0: That's good. That's good. You know, I, this definitely has been more than just throwing the bones. Might be actually uh, scarlet colored glasses. Uh, but hey, who cares, right? We're just talking <laughs> football.
1: It's the season, man. you got to blend it. That's right.
0: Well, the other thing that We're I didn't want to. We're trying our own
1: leave... hybrid system here, Dave.
0: Yes. The <laughs> <laughs> other thing I didn't want to leave out there that we mentioned the kind of the, the Pac 12 practicing and Chip Kelly thing was. I I can't remember if we've actually even talked about this when the staff got hired, but I think it's worth bringing back up again. Is like, how many other college coaching staffs have this many uh, coaches with NFL playing experience, uh, extensive playing experience? So you've got Frost with five years, Barrett Rude with damn uh, almost a decade, probably. Uh, Fisher um, Fisher had eight years. Walters had like eight or nine years. that, that's pretty rare, I feel like. You know, I mean, you have this where it's a young coaching staff. They still can be physical with these guys and they can relate to them. Um, but then you have, I mean, Frost with all of this coaching um, tree, which is just extraordinary. It's a really interesting meld. And I just don't know how many other coaching staffs have that much uh, NFL experience on them. <laughs> just the
2: dog in it, baby. Yep. Um, um, the
3: uh, dogs are excited. Quick numbers for you, Dave. <laughs> um, last year, uh, Illinois actually has a combined, uh, 56 seasons of NFL experience. Well, they have hardy smith throws yeah. <laughs> at. Let's see, Michigan had 40, Baylor had 38, Alabama 34, UCLA had 45, but that was last year's number, so that's shifted with, uh, oh, more Kelly uh, being yeah. there now. So, yeah, there's quite a bit. I guess I haven't done the math, but, yeah. So, it is. Yeah,
0: Illinois in particular, mm-hmm. sorry about the dog there, guys, uh, but Hardy Nickerson and 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 whatnot was a lot there. But yeah, yeah. I, it's still I, I think it's it's I guess it's I, different for Nebraska, I, I right? Th- I mean, we just haven't had yeah that for much. us. It might be yeah, Dave. That's I think
2: true. I think that's a good point. This is a it's a unique, different kind of staff because I can look at it. And Mac, you you mentioned one of the uh, podcasts of a of a coach from Iowa who mm-hmm. came to uh, one of the practices in the last week or two, and it was a video podcast, and he talked about yeah. the, the practice and the speed and all that, and he's friends with Shenander, and he has experience being from Iowa with the Northern Iowa guys, right. and sometimes I lose track of, like, yeah, Frost was at Northern Iowa, and he was there with Verdusco, and with right. and with Shenander, and uh, was it, um, who's the, the outside linebacker's coach? Um, DeWitt.
1: Uh, DeWitt. DeWitt, yes, DeWitt. thank you. DeWitt. He actually, DeWitt actually replaced Frost when he went to Oregon, so they never coached together, but that's how okay. they... But, but there's there a, there's connections yeah.
2: there and mm-hmm. then and then you think about there's the connections to the to the team itself. I mean we have Held and we have Austin, we have Barrett yeah. Rub of course Frost. It's just a unique staff with and then you bring the NFL components into it. Um, this is and my gosh, and you look at Beckton and what he has down there going on in Florida and Georgia and his his long standing history there. It's a very unique staff with a lot of different skill sets and experiences. Um and the NFL part, Dave, to your point, should not be should not be under, uh, understated. I mean, this is, by Nebraska standards, this is, as, I would have to say, is as much NFL experience as we've ever had.
1: I mean, last year would have been what? Perella had a ton. And then... I'm trying to blame. Is that it? No, nope. Can't believe yeah, anything else. Perella would have had a ton.
0: But after that... Yeah, I don't know, and then I mean, you even have a lot of these guys actually that were with the Eagles, like you know Dawson and whatnot, yeah, and Greg Austin, uh, having NFL coaching experience, you know. So it's just it's just just different than what we've had in, uh, for a long time. It yep. seems like so. we
2: have a Bolitnikov Award winner as our receivers coach. I just yeah, that just mm-hmm. makes me happy. <laughs>
1: at, a, at a school that's never had a thousand yard receiver, <laughs> I could change this year. There you go. Could change. There you go. But we have had a number one overall draft at wide receiver. That's right.
2: One That's of only true. one of only two. Keyshawn and uh,
1: and Irving. So and we had Keyshawn's son. Oh my gosh!
0: Connections everywhere. It all comes around, Dave. We have to end the segment now. All right. Next on the Go Big Redcast, I think it is a trivia time. Boomer, uh, what do you got for us? Trivia time
3: Well, uh, spring football is upon us, and got me thinking the traditional football season is usually the months of September, October, November, into December and very beginning of January. So I was just curious uh, when was the first football game Nebraska played outside of those months? So the first game not played in september, October, I, November, I- December. Very I'll say, er, I have an a guess.
1: Oklahoma State game that was in August, I thought. Of well, I'm going to.
0: I'll jump on this. Uh, honky, you're, you're probably thinking the same thing. I, mean, I know that we had some random scheduled games way back in the day. So in the 1890s, I'm, I'm certain we played on Valentine's Day against somebody. So it might have even been in Iowa or, or something like that. So. I, I know we've had weird – I mean, back then – Valentine's it, Day? It wasn't – they. I mean, football was in its infancy. They didn't really have, like, this – it was a fall thing, right? They just, yeah. like, would play games. So, Honky, your thoughts?
2: Yeah. Shoot, Dave, you're smarter than me because I'm not even thinking that far back, and why am I not? It's, it's Boomer. He's – it's probably something from 1912. The the, the the game that came to my mind, you said September, October, November, right?
3: But, just yeah. any of the traditional football. Moments. So the game Departes that came to my January, mind was the
2: 1983 say, yeah. kickoff classic, the inaugural kickoff in classic August. against Penn State, 44 to six, beating them. That's that's the game that came to my mind. But Dave, you're probably absolutely right. There's probably some stupid April game in 1912 <laughs> that my I, I'm that great say, great say grandpa save. Ebenezer Honky went to, and <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that went to a local Ebenezer Von Honicky. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Von, <Hunneke. laughs> <And then, laughs> Von Honecky. It was That's Von Honecky, right.
2: and then it became honky.
1: That's... Whatever. You tried to sell that story in seventh grade, and I didn't believe it then either. It was always honky. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, right uh, after Boomer, your Orange I, I'm going to right? guess
0: February 14th, 1891
3: versus Drake. Man, Dave, you were incredibly close. God uh, dang it. Damn. It is actually February 14th, 1891. We played Doan. It's, actually, what? it was our very first. Oh! It was okay, our so very what did first David intercollegiate say? football game, yeah, because we'd played we YMCA two... from Omaha earlier that season. So, yeah, we Dave was We got two right, Doan so.
1: graduates on this podcast, yep. and you guys didn't get that?
3: And, hey, I had the question, right? So, yeah, you will be pleased to know we did actually win the game 18 to 0. It was our second football game and Doan's first. I don't believe Doan even had a coach at that point. <laughs> Uh, Doan had never actually practiced, so they were just kind of out there winging it, so that was good. Uh, you'll be pleased to note that uh, not a man was disabled on either side, according to reports, and that the uh, university team uh, conducted themselves as gentlemen, and perfect good nature characterized the entire game. So, oh my and, god. And uh, yeah, some of the fan knowledge was extraordinary, as they quote uh, one of the Doan girls uh, asking a player which touchdown were you, and another asked, uh, are you a half-tackle <laughs> or a full-tackle? So... <laughs> Luckily, Nebraskans' knowledge of sports has increased ever since. There is a plus. Dilly, dilly, we are the man, smartest fan base in all
2: of yeah. college football.
3: You know that. And uh, yeah. following we've had a up, lot of years. Uh, when was the first spring game? Do you know that? I had a twofer. I, here, that
2: did. was early '50s, I think. Like I'm going to say '52. I'll say
3: '51. I'll say '53. <laughs> correct answer: 1950 was the very first. Yes. Spring
2: yeah. game.
1: Dang
3: it. <laughs> yep. So. And uh, who played in that game? I was at... Uh, Nebraska.
2: I, I would say it's <laughs> the, the current team against, like, it was, I think, alumni. we were playing alumni at that time.
3: Correct. Yes, yeah. current uh, versus alumni. And final score was 13 to 13. It's rather entertaining. So if you read the... Uh...
2: <laughs> was that Bill Glassford?
3: Yes, it was actually a pretty decent Bill Glassford team in 1950. They were one of our highest-scoring teams Reynolds for quite a while. Columbus, but right? they really oh, struggled yeah, against Reynolds. a bunch of uh, out-of-shape uh, varsity or alumni players. That In fact, the uh, kicker for the varsity squad was uh, the then-current track coach, Ed Weir, who played back in the 20s. And, uh, <laughs> Good Lord, he managed an extra point later. kick, and he didn't even suit up. He was wearing his little leather jacket and slacks. So, yeah. <laughs> Pretty entertaining. yeah. He played football and, uh, in leather jackets. of the best trivias of yeah, all time. Yeah, and uh, the, the alumni team scored their first touchdown after a uh, fumble recovery by a defensive tackle. Uh, Ted Doyle, who at that time was 37, was operating the Fairbury bowling alley. So oh, my God. There's a lot of good stuff I've in bowled, that original Oh, my God. i bowled game. in
2: Fairbury yeah. before.
3: Yep. So you I, might well have bowled at his bowling alley. I've so Ted Doyle's Ed still there. Doyle's... Tip our hat to you. So. Is it Ed Doyle? Is it a Doyle? Ted rules? Doyle. Ted Doyle, so it Ted might Doyle. A, I
2: bowled yeah. in Ted Doyle's bowling alley.
3: Might oh, well have, goodness. yeah. So a, a lot of good of stuff Fairbury
2: in that first water spring tower. game.
1: Tower. Yeah. <laughs> so. I did take a picture wow. of the
2: Fairbury water tower once, but anyways. I know you did.
1: <laughs> <This is laughs> and I ate at their fine pizza hut. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I have
2: eaten at I've eaten at the Pizza Hut in Fairbury. Mac, you know everything I... <laughs> about me. Um
3: I
1: think he's put together a coffee table book of all this. Uh, yeah. uh, Boomer. Well they are the this, this, this is my favorite.
2: This is my favorite all time trivia. I just want You like that one best? Aaron. That's good. I, so, yeah. I don't
1: know, Mike. You've had some good ones. And you always tie them in so nice with other historical things going on. Oh, well done.
2: I
0: appreciate this.
1: We I, should start off with trivia.
2: We really should. Yeah,
0: yeah. it definitely warm us up. That's for certain.
2: Holy smokes, this was fun.
0: <sighs> I enjoyed <knew> it. <laughs> all right. Well, if we can have a as exciting of a Nebraska ball segment as our oh, trivia. damn, we should be, just ended the show really, on that. Really? Yeah, we, it's going to be tough. <laughs> But uh, Honky just cannot let, uh, you know, Nebraska <laughs> basketball <laughs> go quietly. He wants to beat it like a dead horse. Nebraska ball. <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> uh, we had some interesting tweets last night, which uh, I think both of us decided to just uh, end because we didn't want to, like, you know, fracture our friendship. But um, <laughs> I hate it. Uh, so Nebraska basketball, uh, the final four actually had Kansas and Michigan in it. Uh, These are two teams that Nebraska played in the regular season and had a combined plus 19 in regular season games against two Final Four teams. We beat Michigan by 20, lost Kansas by one. Uh, It has to be frustrating for Nebraska fans to see those type of teams uh, get better as the season goes on and make the tournament, which we didn't do, and then go that far. Ultimately, Villanova routed Michigan last night in the Big Ten fall short for a national championship again. It's now been 18 years, I think. Um, but uh, overall, Nebraska basketball could have some hype next year. Uh, there's some uh, talk out there. Joe Lenardi, uh, Tom Deinhardt of Big Ten Network, others having Nebraska in the top 25s. Honky, yay or nay on this? Do you, you think that Nebraska basketball is going to have a stellar 2018-19 season or... Or are going to collapse in uh, typical uh, Nebraska fashion, just like uh, the Petaway-led uh, team under Miles a few years ago, which had the hype and then failed to deliver?
2: Oh, crud, Dave. Don't ask me
3: that. Oh, my gosh.
0: Um, Boomer! Boomer, I... what do you think, then? <laughs> I know he'll, get, he'll
2: deliver uh, something.
3: It's, you want to have the optimism, but what in Miles' history here so far has led us to have that? That's that's the tough thing. There is that element if he brings all these players back, and you hope they can grow a little. You know, Roby grows as a player, and Jordy starts understanding the game a little better, what he's supposed to do as a center. They well, could. got to be learning
0: English at this point. Well, that, so, yeah, or
3: we'll thing. just hire a French consultants. I think. We've got the money freed up for <laughs> consultants now, so maybe we can do that.
2: We saved that in tackling. Yeah, exactly. Yes, so...
3: The potential is there. I just worry that we haven't seen this happen yet, so what leads us to believe it's going to happen
0: this time? Sure. You can't really blame just Miles on this one. Outside of Danny Knee, we've never actually performed expectations. I think that's uh, fair, Dave. I'm
1: glad you said that.
3: <laughs> but why? Uh, that's, just, that's just doesn't make sense. I, I just okay, I mean, so- you
0: have four Your four top scorers should return if Palmer and Copeland both make wise decisions and come back. Uh, so I see where that's coming from, but you can also see where it, it, this has failed before, Honky.
2: Okay, this is one of those moments for Skip, our producer. Please, re, you know, keep this recording here. I, I, I do want to apologize to Dave because last night in in our tweets back and forth, I'm I'm wrong. I am wrong. I I was frustrated by the Lenardis and the. Uh, Tom Dean and everything. I was frustrated by them actually giving us some love. And as a Husker basketball fan, I don't know how to, I don't know how to appreciate somebody actually giving us some love a couple of weeks after they were almost campaigning against us, not getting in. But the point is it's hard for me to separate my anger of not getting into the tournament a couple of weeks ago with the fact that we might potentially have something really good going next year. And John Rothstein, uh, Dave you were mentioning he he has in his top 25 23 coming into next season. And the, and right. we should be ecstatic. Like why am I not I should be running around the house with my hands up cheering. We're going to be number 23 going into next season and unfortunately the only thing in my mind is is the last time we were in top 25 coming into the season. I can remember watching us lose at Rhode Island with with Petaway and Pitchford right. and Shields and all of our top scorers coming back. And it's that same kind of Scenario right now. I like Miles. I really do. I want, I so badly want to see this guy have success. I, 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 and I truly believe that we saw some successes last year 22 wins, 13 in conference, and all that. Really good things. Can we build off of that? I just, that's, it's absolutely the question mark. I, uh, let me, let me phrase the question maybe a little differently. What was the missing piece from last year? What's the thing that's going to take last year's team? to that next level, is it a recruit that we don't have or is it just just flat-out development of the current players we have and they just, they just all collectively get better together?
0: Yeah, I would say that, yeah, we should be better just with one more year of this uh, uh, team. I don't think one addition in particular, even though I think that there's a couple of guys coming in um, that could – or, or even young guys last year that didn't play that much that could contribute off the bench, and we could be deeper. Um, but Jordy and and Roby, I think both in particular, could be a lot better next year. And if Palmer and Copeland just kind of, kind of maintain their high level of play, that they, it took took a while to get to where they were. You know, they, this team was not as good as they were in November and December because they were just molding together a little bit there. You know, we they should be much better from the beginning uh, this time around. But to your, your point of your question, what, what's missing? More than anything, it, it, it's the opportunity next year to have a better resume and, and win some of those games early in the season and all that type of stuff. So we're not sitting there in February looking at eight games in front of us with no good wins left and thinking, how are we going to get in the tournament? That We shouldn't have to do that uh, next year if we go ahead and play at our best from the beginning. So.
2: Dave, I feel like you're kind of like a, a counselor, and I'm laying on the couch right now, and I'm asking you a question. But it's like, it, am I wrong in saying, like, it feels like last season, like, two of our, two of our wins ended up being our, our worst things that happened to us. And one of them was Delaware State. We beat them, and from an RPI standpoint, I've had my issues with, the, with RPI, but that win was kind of the difference between finishing somewhere in the 40s and finishing somewhere in the 50s of RPI. But it was a win, right? So it's a win. Right. Another win that hurt us was I'm just going to I'm going to collectively say this together was Boston College. It wasn't that the Boston College win didn't help us, but it was it was part of this ACC Big 10 challenge that killed, destroyed the Big 10. We won. We have a victory. Nebraska won the game, but the but the challenge collectively hurt the conference. It hurt the brand, it hurt everything about it and it continued to hurt us throughout December into January into February and so on and so it it, this these are the things it's like how do I as a fan how do I kind of get this out of my memory where it's like I I'm bitter where I feel like wins don't matter we won 22 games we won 13 conference we and yet two of the those wins I just mentioned seem to hurt us really bad but they were wins and it's like I just I I, almost it just has to I don't this I almost it's not this that is the a wins don't,
0: it's not that the wins don't matter, it's that we didn't win the games that would have made a difference in the resume. Right? Yeah. The Lenardis and, 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 and others didn't hate Nebraska as a team per se. They just didn't well, they like might, our resume at all. Know, yeah. yeah, right. But But <laughs> like, now they like us. So. But they just didn't <laughs> like our resume at all. So my point here is, is that if, if we are picked third, fourth, fifth preseason in the Big mm. Ten we are far more likely to have a better matchup in the ACC and the Big East showdowns that will be resume builders than having BC or St. John's in the in past, right? They didn't expect us to do anything. Now we should. Now, I'm not saying mm-hmm. that we can still mess this up. Northwestern messed up this year, right? That should have been a better team. That's good point. And they had the opportunities. But... But we'll it'll be out there, and it'll be our own fault next year if we don't have a resume that shows that we're uh, a tournament team. Yeah, yeah, and so that has opportunities
3: there. There. To, to put you know, get something you know going in the fan base. You know, an easy one next year would be to freaking beat Creighton. Finally, do that and have fan base. You know, that that shows improvement right there. Do that, win one of those games, in you know, the non-conference that we haven't had. Don't have a loss of the incarnate word and Gardner Webb's. Just, you know, that non conference schedule, there's a couple things you can do, and heck, I think well, yeah, well, that would show have, the steps forward.
0: Yeah. Have that tournament out in Kansas City uh, with Texas Tech and USC. Yep. That's another opportunity. Make sure right? you get to play both of those and don't end up playing Bears, the, yeah. twice. Win one of Tech those games. Win one of those So, us, so yeah. if,
2: if I do understand this correct, then, next year, like we played Boston College at home this year for the mm-hmm. ACC Challenge. But that's not a guarantee that we're going to turn around next year and play Boston College on the road like they. No, they just that every year. They cut if we if we're the number three team in the Big Ten, we could potentially be playing you know whoever the number three team in the they yeah, could throw us ACC against like, Clemson yeah, or NC
0: State or
3: something like that. Theoretically, know? that's what they they try to do that match you up with somebody comparable so that way it's not you're you likely
0: know, not Runners getting Duke, Duke or, or, like that or North or Carolina. The goodness, that's the know, Michigan yeah. State's of the world, but we we could get a much higher ACC team. Yeah. yeah,
1: I think we could wrap this section up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> is- well, hey, hey, but Mac, this could tie it into football a little bit. Tom Chattel yeah. had a really interesting article. Did you guys see this? Uh, Chattel had an article about how he tied football and basketball together over the last 15 years, how basketball struggles have tied into footballs because. The athletic director at the time had made some football move or made a bad football decision, and he couldn't act on basketball. Did did you guys see that, Dave? Yeah, you know.
0: absolutely. And yeah, I, I, I just
2: thought it was kind of a, it was a different take on it because it, it was something where it's like, it, you know, why why didn't why didn't Peterson just go out and fire Collier when Collier was you know not winning games? Well, he Peterson didn't have the the clout to do it because he had already kind of made his decision with Callahan that didn't allow him to. And the same thing with like Eichhorst. Eichhorst easily a year ago could have made a call after three straight bad years for Miles, but couldn't do it because he had Riley to deal with. And I just thought that was kind of an interesting tie together. It was just a different take on basketball, Uh, you know, basically kind of treating basketball as the second child to football. And that football was – Leading some of the decisions there, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely, and I, I, I think it's a point well taken. Uh, and I mean, I guess I mean our our, our hope is, is that uh, Moose doesn't have to make that decision next year. That Miles uh, leads that team to the tournament, and we're, we're good to go. But um, if not, uh, there should be a lot of uh, coaches that would be of interest to Mister Moose. So I don't
1: think if if Miles doesn't go next year, I really don't care what circumstances surround it. He needs to get gone. Yeah. If just we too don't much, go to the too tournament much next year, too much. that's just that's just that's what eight years then? 37. Seven. next year, be seven. seventh year. Yeah, that that's enough. It's enough. It's already probably too much. His year this year probably bought him some time, and I almost regret this season that he had cause I feel like he, <laughs> I really do because I feel like it was all for nothing. We didn't go to the tournament, and then we we bowed yeah. out in the in the Big Ten, and then we bowed out in the NIT. It was embarrassing. The season. The twenty two wins. Yeah, look I at State. I mean Penn you can State. say what you want to about the committee. They got it right, guys. <laughs> we didn't look good. And Villanova went and smoked the tournament. We talked a lot about this. I don't know. Basketball. This this is <laughs> my frustration with the sport in general. As far as what the team's got, we've got some players. I, I think I think uh Copeland and those guys can be good. I'm trying to think uh not Jordy, but Palmer. Palmer? No, Palmer's all right. Palmer's okay. Roby. I mean, he's, now, he's all Big Ten, but I mean that kid, he, he's streaky. They're all, the the whole team's streaky. There's no consistency with that team. You can't count on anything. And and then like Andrew or not Andrew White, um, Glenn Watson, like Watson needs could, to come around. If he year, could find his role and not be a shooter anymore, I mean, he killed us in a couple games because he kept shooting and it was just ridiculous. So I don't know. I've got a ton of problems with the team. I don't think we're as close as people think we are, but we'll see. Yeah, that is fair too. That's a fair, that's fair a,
2: take. That's a Mac for not wanting to pipe up much over the over the last few weeks of basketball. That's that's as much as we've heard out of Mac really, really critiquing it there. I look, you know, we talked about it, Dave. We, we looked at uh, was it John Rothstein, You said that uh, had us right. in the top twenty-five next year. And if you only go off of recruiting, only go off of recruiting, um, that that starting lineup he had was Watson, Allen, Palmer. Uh, Copeland and Roby. Yep. And that's assuming everyone comes back. But if they do, that's four, four stars and a five star. If you only go off of recruiting.
1: By
0: Nebraska. Who's the five star? Uh, Copeland. Copeland is a five star By Nebraska oh, standards, okay. Yeah.
2: By Nebraska ball standards, when is it ever gonna get better than four, four stars and a five star? I mean it, it you know, if you can't make it work with that, if we can't and I think Sippel's been big on this. I've seen Chattel write about this and I think this is fair. It's like you get to a point where it's like I can be as upset as I want to be a few weeks ago at Lenardi. I can be as upset at, at the bracketologist and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, if that kind of team, if we can't have a team with those kind of players that can just make it a no-brainer, we should be a no-brainer. It should end. be a
0: no-brainer next year.
2: That's right. what it should be, I right? I agree. And, and that's, what, that's what it should be. So I, I agree. I expect right. Miles to get an extension. I expect Miles to be the coach, obviously, next year. And I think that that we will... I I think that the the expectations will be pretty clear.
1: You know, the one thing about that extension... I, I get it in football, how that could be used against you in recruiting. But in basketball... I mean, players transfer and move around so much. Do they really care? 40%. if The coach has more than two seasons on his contract.
3: I'd probably think that's overblown because
0: that's I mean, what like, I think. let be honest. honest. I mean, classic if, agent talk, right there. Yeah. If I mean, Miles had
3: an extension or not next year, and we go thirteen and whatever, everyone knows he's getting fired anyway. It doesn't matter how many years he has right. left. So what? You know, I, I that's probably yeah. It's agent.
1: Talk. I, I, I don't think that's. I don't think that's. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. And back, like, and, well, we're not going to be able to recruit well. I don't care. You're not – I want you to coach well.
2: And basketball – We've and got basketball, players.
1: That's a great point there, Mac.
2: And Basketball teams recruit one or two different ways. I mean, Nebraska recruits a lot with these transfers and these graduate transfers, which are on a one- or two-year basis anyways. Exactly. And then you have the the Dukes and the, you know, the Kentuckys that recruit one-and-dones anyway. So the the right. concept that you have to have four and five years to be comfortable recruiting, to Miles' credit, Miles has recruited actually quite well – despite yeah. the fact that he hasn't had this long-term thing. I mean, he's closing out a right. pretty good recruiting class right now with Xavier Johnson and those guys as is.
0: Yep, agreed, agreed. All right, all right, look at that. That's a Nebraska basketball segment, if I ever heard one right there. <laughs> In April of all things, yeah. <laughs> good job, guys. We'll wrap that up. Uh, all right, uh, nothing on baseball uh, this week, but hopefully... Uh, nothing good, anyway. That team can yeah. turn the thing around and we have some positive talk. There's another um, street team podcast. right there. Yeah, driving me crazy. All right, guys, let's do some uh, 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 final takes. A honk, what do you got? Okay,
2: well, it's been a couple weeks, so I do have a few bullet point things, but I'll just get them
1: out quick. Uh, one of them, <laughs> <laughs> Coach Ryan Held. the final Held. take section, not the bullet point section?
2: <laughs> I have I have bullet points. Uh, Coach <laughs> Ryan Held uh, retweeted us. I just like that. That's just kind of cool. So I'm just going to say it um play buzz trivia I, I don't i'm always trying to do different things to, to you know interact with our with our followers out there and on play buzz trivia i've created a go big redcast uh, page this is where we can put out trivia questions and all that stuff and we do have one trivia uh you know trivia quiz out there so go to it if you have a chance and and we'll keep adding to it uh and then a couple of congratulations and this is on the women's side uh one of them is congrats to jess shepard uh, she transferred to Notre Dame, but they just won the, uh, the uh, uh, basketball ch- uh, title. And head coach at Notre Dame, uh, Muffet McGraw, she said, I would uh, say every game we have a toast to the state of Nebraska and Jessica Shepard for being with us because we wouldn't be here without her. And I know that they made a very big point that the transfer of Shepard to Notre Dame and how Nebraska was very supportive of it, that was a big deal and that they didn't fight it or anything. And along those lines, along those lines, volleyball, tonight we got Lexi Sun, who is a transfer, 2017, uh, from Texas. She was an outside hitter. She was all Big 12 a year ago. She was the number one player in the country as a recruit. And she just uh, committed tonight to Nebraska. Uh, So she's transferring here, and she'll be able to be eligible right away. So uh, I guess, you know, you lose some you get some and and that's a good get for us
0: all right good job hunk good job thank you all right uh boomer what do you have for your parting shot
3: well i'd just like to uh mention the red casters we'll hopefully have another bracket coming up soon as the uh, ncaa women's bowling uh final starts up this week so uh, nebraska is your number one seed so there's always hope that we'll actually win a championship in something so uh our arch nemesis, McKendry, however, is the number two seed, matched up on the other end of the bracket. So, could be an exciting time there at Tropicana Lanes in St. Louis, Missouri. So, any of our Redcasters in the Greater St. Louis area, be sure to check that out. So, it's the uh, largest bowling alley in Missouri, I've, I'm told. Oh, really? Fifty-six lanes, I believe. So, fifty-six lanes. Yeah, that seems like the a smell lot. of lane oil in the morning. That's, it's great stuff. So, I bowled.
2: I bowled in uh, Fairbury.
3: I don't know if I told you. Yeah, that <laughs> kind of bowling that. theme tying this whole show together, really. I used to
1: bartend in a bowling alley. You yeah, cool, did? That's, that's right. Really. That's, that's right. right. Good,
2: man. Yeah, that's
0: good.
1: I We've bowled last week, again. actually. So. <laughs>
0: uh, all right. So uh, Nebraska hasn't won the the championship in a couple of years. so They're due. So yeah, hopefully. yeah. McKendry
3: knocked them off last year in the championship game, and which is kind of an embarrassment since I'm not sure anyone knows where McKendry is, and I don't think they do either. So
0: payback. Yep, it is. McKendree, we're coming for you. Here. It could be ugly. No. Uh, all right, around, Mac,
1: man. what do you got? I'll just let the red casters know that, although it seems like information is coming out in very small bits from this staff, I think we can all rest assured that they're doing the right things behind closed doors. And who knows? We might have some access here in the future. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> That's all I'll say about that.
0: Uh, all right. Yeah. Absolutely. That sounds good. <laughs> What's a tease, bra? <laughs> Alright guys, great show tonight. It was good talking to y'all. Let's uh, call that a Go Big Redcast.